everybody. Welcome to the next episode of the Fat Guy Forum. This is your host, Gourmet, and I am happy to have you listening once again to the show. With me this week, I have someone who, it's funny because I have memories of discovering his story years and years ago, and then just recently discovered his podcast and Instagram and figured, why not reach out and get him on the show? So I'm excited for you to meet him. His name is Justin Willoughby. Justin, how are you doing today? Hey, hey, Mike. So good to be here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm excited to, to share my life with yeah. others. Well, let's let's get right to it, man. Tell us, Justin, what qualifies you to be on the Fat Guy Forum? All right, so let me open the book. Once upon a time. Let's start with once upon a time. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, uh, man, let me tell you, I was, I was, uh, so fat guy, fat guy is a tough word, but I feel like, I feel like we can, we can actually say that word if you've been there before, you know, it, it's, this is where I was at, this is who I was, I totally believe that, so yeah, I, I'm an, I'm an ex-fat guy, man, um, so let's let's bounce back to my childhood years man i was a big kid i was going back to elementary school here i was probably double the size of my classmates um i was actually funny story man i was actually hired as a bodyguard in elementary school for some of my friends <laughs> wow <laughs> well because i was so large yeah i was, I was so gonna big. say <laughs> Uh, it was it's funny um you know like nobody wanted to mess with my friends because if they had justin on your side like okay he's gonna sit on me or something that's what cause qualifies me to be a fat guy right there i mean you can pancake somebody you 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 made fat guy status so i uh I, I was always a big kid in elementary school and i was awesome man people loved me during story time i had people lay on me like recess or story time with the teacher reading to us i'd be like all right, everybody, my friends would lay on me like I'm a pillow, and and I loved it. I didn't, but I, you know, back then I didn't think anything of it. I was, I was just like they, they accept me, they love me, they love me who I am, and I had no, no qualms about it, man. And and you, you, you get done with, you get finished with elementary school, and then you go into middle school. The whole new world opens up, and a whole new animal happens, and wow, it just everything changed from there. And so, what, what happened from there? So, <laughs> I don't know what happens to kids from from fifth to sixth grade. <laughs> That's what it was basically. Uh, so sixth grade started the middle school era for me. Um, and so what happened from fifth to sixth is like there must have been some kind of portal that these kids went through because they went from these nice friends to acquaintances, you know, nice acquaintances to just people who are very generally nice to all of a sudden, uh, they just, they're taller, they're bigger, they're muscular, they have mustache, like mustaches, you just had no hair over the, over the fifth grade year, come on, and then all of a sudden there's this like, there's this surge of, of cruel and meanness that comes into kids, and, and so what happened is, I, I obviously got larger <laughs> in the, in the, the, the months from school to, uh, from fifth grade to sixth grade, so the summer off, I, even though I was somewhat of an active kid, I loved football, loved football, loved going out and playing with my dad and, and my friends in the neighborhood, like, I, tackle was my game, man, don't mess with me, I'll get you, <laughs> and, and anyway, so I, but I, I must have gained maybe 30, 40 pounds or something, because I got to sixth grade, and all of a sudden, I'm looked at as, like, this guy's a fatty, he's waddles, he's lardo, like, he's gonna sit on you, uh, upperclassmen would, would suddenly start 
throwing insults at me. I, I can remember the, the faces right now, looking back at the people who were mean and cruel, and it, it just made it kind of miserable to want to go to school. Like I just, I mean, I did my thing. I, I still had some friends, uh, and and I was, but but I didn't really, I didn't really enjoy going into hallways into my next class because I thought I was going to get picked on, and and I had people, literally boys, guys. Sixth and or seventh and eighth graders, upperclassmen show me pornographic pictures of, of ladies and say, "You're never gonna get this. You're never gonna get one of these." And then the girls with them would walk with them and they would laugh at me with that because they would insult me and 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 just kind of laugh along and giggle. And I had I had ladies girls ask me out as a joke in in school and you know continuing to just discourage and and hurt uh my, my feelings back then and and just to keep adding fuel to the fire of not loving who i was in school and uh eventually in uh, i got through sixth through eighth grade uh, eighth grade got better because i'm the upperclassman there so you know the picking and all that stuff kind of ceased at that point but uh, it, it, I never was a violent kid. I didn't. I didn't attempt to beat anybody up. In fact, I was afraid to beat anybody up because uh, I didn't know my own. I, I mean, I probably could have could have whooped a tail or two, but I, I I just I wasn't that type of guy, and and I was afraid to even start anything because I was just I was a peacemaker. Still am. Still love peace with people and and uh, love people in general, man. And so anyway, uh, eighth grade was better. But then you go into ninth grade, a little easier in middle school. But ninth grade was my final year in school, in public school, until I was homeschooled. And obviously, all of the 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 bullying and bullying and meanness worked and just fixed everything for you, right? Because that's what people assume. You know that <laughs> that bullying is it's a positive thing. So you know they were incessantly bullying you for a few years, and it it caused this grand awakening in you and changed your behavior, and everything was was fine fine sailing from there, right? I wish it was that simple. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if if anyone listening couldn't tell, there was a bit of sarcasm in there, but yeah, yeah, it it definitely plagues you, man. I'll tell mm-hmm. you, it it definitely is a plague in your mind. Think that, I mean, words words never leave. Let's be honest, words never leave. Uh, they, they they will damage you. I always use a toothpaste analogy. The the tube of toothpaste. I don't know if you ever heard of that analogy before. It's kind of kind of corny, but same. It's it's it rings a bell with. Uh, you know, kind of relating to, to words, your words are powerful, and they can build somebody up or they can destroy somebody. And, and if you use toothpaste tube as an analogy, you're squirting the toothpaste out. So you hit the, you know, you, you kind of squeeze it, it comes out. But to get that toothpaste back in is pretty much near impossible. Maybe you can get like a percentage of that in, but but you can't erase that you just squeeze all the toothpaste out. You're not really going to get that back into the tube. It's kind of like our words. Like I still remember the guy's name and the, the actually a couple guys names that picked on me. I still remember their faces. I still remember the words. I still remember the, the the girls who who dared to ask me out as a joke. I mean, I remember I remember the pornographic image somebody showed me that laughed at me. I mean, I can vividly remember 20 years later I can vividly remember these things, which is crazy to think that if you don't think words are powerful, right there, it'll show you that words are pretty powerful. You, you, or and images are pretty powerful, and actions are powerful, and you can't take those things back. No, one hundred percent, you can't, man. So, what happened in in ninth grade? You you said you that was your last year in school. So, what brought you to that point? So, in ninth grade, 
uh, it was basically, I mean, I was, I was not too bad uh, in ninth grade. I, I actually had a decent, a decent life. Um, it was really just, I, I was kind of just getting accustomed to everybody. I mean, it was, I mean, I was going through the hallways. Sometimes I would still, I mean, still kind of feel weird being in the hallways because I was kind of like looking over my shoulder. They're going to get picked on me because some of those kids actually went to, to high school who picked on me in eighth grade. They were in kind of their 11th to senior year you know so what happened was i i'm sorry about the dogs in the background by the way no worries <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're howling they're yeah. all sorts of things maybe they're talking to my bullies and back in the day but um <laughs> so what happened from from high school like i was still like looking over my shoulder because i know there was some upperclassmen who were who were there who picked on me in middle school and it was it was crazy because I thought I was gonna get picked on. So I I would end up like not wanting to go up the stairs in front of people. I ended up you know because high school had stairs. I mean middle school didn't really have any stairs. High school had stairs, and so I would just kind of all right. Um, okay, I wait till everybody passes me because I'm a big guy. They're gonna laugh at me when they when they see my my butt or something. Like I don't want to get picked on. So I kind of was paranoid in ninth grade, but but. I ended up uh, getting through that. I made some new friends. Um, I did meet some of those people again. It's funny. I did meet some of those people again who picked on me in, in middle school. And uh, they didn't really say a word to me in high school. It, it's interesting. I, I don't, I mean, we, we crossed paths multiple times in the bathroom even. And, and we, nothing was said. In fact, it was a mutual, you know, those the guys are like, mutual head nods you know like what's up so you know it was one of those things like never never brought up again so it was kind of a whole new animal but then i just gained so much weight in high school that i unfortunately had to go uh be homeschooled i had anxiety and panic attacks from i don't know what from i think maybe it stemmed back from just some trauma from my childhood and and my mom and dad arguing in constant basis and in, in for a period of time and i think it just was too much for me so anxiety and panic attacks became a thing in my, my life and then i think i used food to cope with all that and what happened from there is I started ballooning up in weight and that was in ninth grade so I decided to be my mom and dad thought the best bet for me would be homeschool because I stopped wanting to go to school because I was afraid a to get picked on b I was afraid of having anxiety attacks and c I was just I didn't I I just didn't want to do it I kind of lost my motivation so they they had me uh, homeschooled and so I finished uh 10th grade and 11th grade uh as a homeschool student and looking back on that now, do you do you feel like that was the right course for you? Honestly, I do. I do. I think it was probably the best bet because I wasn't in a good place. Um, and at least being homeschooled, uh, there was some positives. I mean, I could I can kind of do school at my own leisure. So if anxiety came on, I could take a break. I wouldn't have to get picked on or laughed at by anybody. Uh, I wouldn't have to worry about going up the steps and being laughed at from behind or, or waiting and being late for class. And I wouldn't have to worry about any of that stuff. But at the same time, it was bad because socially, it was kind of weird. I mean, it kind of messes with, I mean, some, some kids might be able to be like, I mean, because I was kind of, when I 
I was homeschooled, man. I wasn't just I wasn't just homeschooled. I was pretty much home all the time. So I didn't have many friends. I had maybe one or two friends come over periodically to my house because I was I was bigger and and uh, I would try to go to their houses, but I would be so large I'd be embarrassed to go. And secondly, I would be afraid to f sit on their beds because I, I I've broken <laughs> I'm sitting on beds and broken them in the past, and I'd be afraid to do any of that stuff. And and I'd be afraid of being judged by their parents. And I even had one of my friends' dads tell me one time uh, not to be in, they wouldn't, they wouldn't allow their son, who was my friend, they wouldn't allow him to invite me to church because they thought I wouldn't fit through the pews. And just like things like that, like, so anyway, there was a lot of awkwardness when it came to the social part of it. And some of that might have been from the homeschooling thing for a couple years, but uh, it just was, it, it, so I guess there's a pro and con of, of, both uh, decisions that I would make. You know, if I were to stay in school, there was cons. If I were to be homeschooled, there was cons. But there was also positives of both. And I want to kind of give, to give people a conception, like, were you conscious of what your actual weight was at that time? Was it something where you were like, okay, you know, were you in a diet mindset at all? Like, what was going on in terms of your own relationship to your size? Oh, man, I, I knew I was big. I, I saw my comparison. You know, I wouldn't want my picture taken. I'll give you that. Uh, people took a snapshot of me. I'd be really embarrassed. Um, I had some some online relationships at that point who didn't have ICQ and, and AOL and Messenger and all that stuff, MSN. I had all of them. And I would just try to, you know, talk to girls my age, and and when they asked me for a picture, I'd be like, uh, I just kind of sent them a, a face shot, and they would still tell because my face was so full. Uh, I went through an Eminem phase back in the day. I had like the like the, the cap and like it says Eminem on it, and and dyed my hair blonde. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, it was the time, man. It was the time. It, it was the time, and and I ended up. It was it was. I'm like, oh man. So they they would. I would pretend that that was somebody else I'm like well let me send you a picture of my friend first so i would send the picture of me to them saying uh this is me this is my friend and uh i would say what do you think of them and they would say dot 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 no comment and i knew you know i'm not going to be putting myself out there and thinking i'm not going to give them a picture of me even though i did like i don't want to i'm like so yeah I, I don't have a good picture of me right now or something like that i mean and cameras weren't that good back then anyway so we can make excuses up all day long with that but yeah, I didn't have any perception of my size. I mean, I knew how much I knew what I looked like, but I didn't know how much I weighed. Mm. So where did things go for you from there? Like when? Because I I know your story, so there, of course there's part of me that's like I know where we're getting to. Um, but but take us into kind of how things develop for you at that point. Mm. So uh, being homeschooled, and uh, I did graduate, by the way, uh, which is good news, but it was years later, and I can get into that in a minute, but um, there came a point where I became, uh, at, at 14, that's when the anxiety and panic attacks were pretty much getting out of hand, and I was starting to balloon up in weight, so I was getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, I, I started to overeat on a consistent basis and get really addicted to food. Uh, I, I no longer... This wasn't a, a cute thing anymore. It wasn't baby weight. It wasn't uh, Justin's just a little pudgy. It's Justin's really getting big. My parents would literally tell me, Justin, you're getting big. My mom would put me on all sorts of different diet approaches. We tried meeting with nutritionists and, and going to a doctor's. And, and Well, actually, we didn't go to a doctor. That was later, but nutritionists. And 
just trying to give me like even like a yogurt diet. They try to get me uh, uh, the Atkins diet back in the day, and they try to give me the protein power and yo all these different. Even I even tried like diet pills, and I know kids aren't even supposed to touch those things, especially kids. And but I, I did it, and like um, they they were they were fixed with caffeine and and herbs and stuff that's supposed to help your metabolism and and slim fast. And dude, I can I can name a million of them, but. To really no avail. I mean, Atkins worked for a little bit, but I gained it way, gained it right back. I mean, it was just here's a hundred pound loss, now here's a two hundred pound gain type thing, and and so it was just it was it was just not healthy. Uh, eventually, sixteen years old, I needed. I was just getting so out of hand. Um, my mom and dad finally got me to a doctor. I finally allowed them to let me, you know, go or want to go and. Um, I always put up a fight, like, no, I'm not going anywhere, no, I'm not going anywhere. They had to get a full-size wheelchair, like a, a large extended wheelchair, I should say, to, to get me rolled into a doctor's office, and they also had to, when they, when I, I haven't been outside in probably months, so they, they got me outside finally, because I had a doctor's appointment, and they got the wheelchair for me to take into the doctor's appointment, and they also put me in their car, and as a full size, I think it was a an intrigue, Oldsmobile intrigue, I believe it was, yeah. And it was a full size vehicle. My dad helped me sit in the back seat. I had to lay down sideways, and he had to push my foot in the door and then slam it really quick so it wouldn't fall out. I was hardly able to fit there. So I, I got to the doctor's office. He looked at me. They they waited till they were closed. He I was his last appointment. They locked the door so nobody else would come. So I was so embarrassed. So they got me into the doctor's office and they ended up uh, checking me over. And he was just he was dumbfounded. He's like, "What happened? What you you? What's wrong with him?" Like basically, I mean, he was he wasn't being mean, but he just was really it was it's like high alert, like really concerned. Like, what is it? What happened? What's Justin? What? And my parents were so embarrassed. They were crying. I mean, they were like, I can't believe it's happening. I can't believe it's happened like this. And he said, he checked me over, checked my heart. Everything seemed okay. They sent me home the next day or that day. And then the next day, my mom got a call from a doctor saying, I need to go to a specific hospital in a nearby city called Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, uh, which is about four hours away from where I live at that point. And they ended up putting me, or by ambulance, taking me down to Pittsburgh. Uh, you ever watch my 600 pound life you ever oh, seen yeah. the show yeah they it's kind of like a scene on there they had to like they never cut my house open or anything but but they did send an ambulance crew and a fire department team and and this and that to my house and it felt it was really embarrassing and got me an ambulance took me to pittsburgh i was on my way there and less than about and they can go faster an ambulance so about three hours and uh we checked got the vitals checked over my everything was pretty healthy i was low on oxygen i had to be have you know given oxygen um my my heart rate was elevated pretty high for being at rest it was like 110 to 115 beats per minute which is pretty high at rest and then of course my oxygen yeah i said oxygen and then but the what, what was the negative thing um there, there wasn't a lot of damage there wasn't damage that's what I wanted to say. There was no damage. Like there was no heart issues. There was no lung issues. It was just I had uh, sleep apnea. That was a lung issue, but that was during my sleep, so that was pretty severe. But ultimately, I was a pretty healthy guy for being so large. But then they weighed me in. <laughs> they weighed me in on a hospital bed, and the scale. I didn't see it. My mom did though, because it was one of those bed scales that yep. you get to see the weight, and. Uh, she was sitting at the she was kind of sitting on a chair 
that she could face the bed and see the weight. And the scale read 799 pounds mm. at 16 years old. So that's it for people listening, like understand, like when Justin was talking about having difficulty getting into the car, this is why, you know, you, you weren't just a slightly chubby kid. You were an episode of, of my 600 pound life before that was even conceived of, you know, before any of that even existed, like 799 at 16. So what, what was going through your head when that, when you heard that, like when you were told? Oh man, I didn't know what to think. I'll be honest with you. I was kind of, I was kind of lost. I mean, I was a kid. Uh, first off, being 16 or a teenager, you got hormones that are just, you know, you're mad, you're angry, you're happy, you're sad, you're you're kind of kind of all over the place, and I, I didn't know. I didn't know what was going to happen. I kind of was at a place in my life where I... Now, now faith became a reality in my life. I mean, I, I always had faith in Jesus. That, that was a huge faith element for me. And that that, that was, a, a cr I would say, like a, a crutch slash stretcher carrying me through my journey. So I I was kind of... I turned to that. That was my... my oh, my God, you know, I, I made a mess of my life. I need, I need your sense of help here. I need your direction. And I just need help. So I reached out to Jesus, and I, I started... For, so... When they weighed me at the hospital, I didn't realize my value at that point. I just felt like an old fat guy or a young fat guy sitting there who's never going to have a future. I thought I was going to die. I thought, you know, what's left in my life? I'm, <laughs> I sound like I'm like 90 years old and on my deathbed. But I, I mean, tr tr truthfully, I, I felt like I was on my deathbed. Right. And I didn't know I was going to have a life ahead of me. I didn't know if I was going to, you know, die of a heart attack or, or I was going to stop breathing or whatever. Because I, here I am in a hospital. Here I am, seven ninety nine. Here I am, like just not being able to move on my own or anything like that. I mean, I could get up, but I couldn't really walk. My legs were too, too thick, to, and they were rubbing together. I had, uh, I believe, the term was edema. Mm -hmm. uh, it's the, the a lot of that water weight in my oh, legs. Yeah. They were huge, huge, and I just couldn't find balance. And um, I just came to a point in my life where, where I just I felt so stuck. I felt. I felt disgusted with myself. I hated who I become, and and I, I wasn't happy with who I was. And I made a mess. I was I was eating myself to death. I was sitting myself to death, and and I just needed to have a different way of living. So that's when I said, Jesus, I know you. I know I've I, I just need your help. So I reached out. Then I started having a different thought pattern. I started believing that my life mattered from that moment on. Like I'm not just a, 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 a fat kid, even though I saw it in front of me. I knew what I was. I'm not just a person who who eats. I'm not just a person who doesn't contribute to life. I, I'm a I'm a person who matters and has value. And so, if you start functioning out of a value system, and you recognize that there's a love that's deeper than what you can feel, it really will change your perspective. So that's what happened from there. My perspective changed to something totally different. It shifted. Now, was it overnight? No. I wish it was because it would have been a lot easier. But I recognized from a moment that my life had significance and if you if you water that seed for enough time and you plant and you you allow it to grow it changes your mindset and shifts your mindset so that that launched and catapulted me to a whole new level of thought and it actually helped me you know stay motivated to because i i felt like i was on purpose now you know I, I mattered but then the practical things behind that as well is 
I had to learn how to take care of the body that I'm living in, right? I had to learn how to how to start moving. I had to learn how to how to do everything over again because here I am as a as a person who's so overweight he couldn't function on his own anymore. So it's kind of like I had to had to die to my to my old ways of life and had to relive to a new approach to life, and and that's what happened. And I'm curious to think about because there's. Your mindset, you know, there's kind of the place you were mentally before your parents convinced you to see the doctor. There's a place you are when you're in the hospital and find out the reality of your situation. And then there's what comes after. Like, what? What's the best way to phrase this? What was the thing? What do you think is the th is the thing that made it okay for you to say, okay, now I'll go to the doctor? You see what I'm saying? Like... What is that? What is that piece? Because it it wasn't all of a sudden. You know, you didn't gain two hundred pounds overnight. You know, you weren't seven hundred ninety nine. You know, you weren't two hundred ninety nine pounds and then seven hundred ninety nine pounds in a month. Like when knowing that they had asked you to go to the doctor before. Like, what was it about that time? It was it was the persistence of my parents. Because um, honestly, on my own, I wouldn't have done it. I, I just wouldn't have. I was embarrassed. Didn't want to face it. I knew that there was a there was a change that had to be made. And as a kid, it's hard to fathom all that. But even as adults, it's hard to fathom that. But as a kid, it's even harder. And and I, I just didn't want to face any of that. I wanted to just stay. This is my safe space. Leave me alone. Like, I, you know, don't don't talk. Don't don't touch this. Don't touch this. So I would I would end up um, just kind of ignoring it. But and, and it came to a point though where I, I mean, I had to start sitting up to sleep. I couldn't lay down anymore. And. And I kind of, I, I noticed my clothes were getting, they, they weren't fitting as well anymore. And um, I, I just, I, I didn't, I was embarrassed. And, and so, and my parents were, you know, they tried every approach in a book to try to get me to do something. And, and, and like from, apart from forcing, like grabbing me, just throwing me out the door, you know, mm -hmm. they couldn't because I was too big anyway. They couldn't do it. So right. <laughs> I, uh, I, um, I just kind of finally felt, in my heart that I needed to do something and, and thank God that, 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 that mission and that, that message is on my heart because, uh, if that wasn't for my parents twisting my arm or if it wasn't for that, just that brief moment of, I understand that there's something needs to be done with this. I wouldn't be here today. I'll, I'll guarantee mm -hmm. you that. And, and I a hundred percent agree with that. Like knowing that place of, and it, I wasn't 16 when I got, when I was at my heaviest, but I know that place of, I don't, I don't, I don't see value in myself and I don't see the possibility of a future. So the idea, the, why do you change? If you're, if you're not even thinking about the, there being a future, why put yourself through what you know is going to be something very hard? So getting from that place to seeing value in yourself where, where do things go from there? Like, cause I think there's, there's people listening who are dealing with, with weight issues who are not dealing, most likely not dealing with as extreme of a weight issue and certainly not dealing with as extreme of a weight issue at the age of 16. Where do you go when you're in such a, you know, in a place where it seems like there's no direction to take? Yeah, man, that, that's good. I mean, you're going to get to get quiet for a minute. I mean, you're going to have to, drown out the tele turn the television off turn the phone off turn the voices off turn your own voice off because 
we can easily talk ourselves out of so many things. I mean, just, I mean, I'm in sales. So, you know, you, you, you pitch something to somebody and, and, uh, they, they sound, it's amazing. That sounds great. I'll get back to you. When they get back to you, they, they're a whole different tune. No, no, thank you. I'm not interested. What happened? You got in your head, you loved it. And then you just had to think about it. And then you had to, all of a sudden now it's the, that awakening where, no, I don't need this because you talked yourself out of it. So, you need to stop talking yourself out of change, number one. I would say there's you get alone for a second. You and God, that's what I would recommend in that situation. You, you know, people who are faith or not faith-based, I'm telling you in, in this situation, I do believe God is real. I do believe he loves you and do believe he cares about you and wants a difference for your life and wants to redeem your life and make it better. But for those who even maybe have a, 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 a no faith, you have to understand that, that your life is more than just eating. It's more than just doing. It's more than just whatever it is that you're struggling with. Like you're, You don't have to be identified as that. You don't have to, to continue down that road. you got to just get quiet for a minute. Sit. Just be quiet. If, if you pray, pray. I would recommend that you just recognize the thoughts and just say, listen, Justin, have a conversation with yourself. You're, you're going to look nuts, but it's okay. You could have a conversation with yourself. Justin, you need to do something about this. The way you're living life is not working. You are destroying yourself, and you are destroying the relationships around you. Your wife, your children, your whatevers. I mean, I'm talking for everybody here. This needs to change, or there will be a negative result of your actions. And so if you can come to terms with recognizing that there's there's always a, a type of consequence, either good or bad, to your actions... You can take it from there and start to build. You can take it from there and start to say, all right, I recognize that something needs to be done about this or I'm dead. <laughs> and if you, can, if you can talk your way and explain your way into a journey that brings hope and a future to your life and that makes changes that are positive, you're going to reap the benefits and result of those positive changes in your life. That's how you would start. And so, literally, how did you start? Like, when you got to that point, like, obviously, the mental side and the, and the faith side are powerful, but there also had to be actual change in the actions you're taking in your life. Like, what did that yeah. look like? Yeah, so I, that's my motto, bro. It's my motto. It's one step. It's one step. So, I'll just tell you, man, it is, I mean, it is such a simple concept but yet one of the hardest things to do, right? Because when you take... I got the concept from from just starting my journey. I mean, they had me in a hospital and they had uh, people around me to help me take my first step from that bed. And I noticed that after I took one step, it was easier to start taking a second step. And it was easier to start taking a third step. It hurt along the way a little bit. I'm not going to lie. My back hurt. My legs hurt. Mentally it hurt, spiritually it hurt, all that hurt. But as time went on, one step at a time, my life changed because I dared to take a step. So I give the motto of one step because I had to choose to take a step forward by moving my body. I had to choose to take a step forward with praying for my spirit. I had to choose to take a step forward to believe uh, that I was greater than the fat on my body or the weight that I'm identified as. I mean, it was a it was a it was a 
transformation in mind, body, and spirit. And it all started with one step. And I would tell people the same thing. And no matter where you're at in life, if it's financially speaking, what's the one step you can take to redeem your finances in a good way? What's If it's uh, your marriage or your relationships, what's one step you can take to benefit your marriage or your relationships today? I mean, you got to take that one step to make this thing work. Because if you don't, you're going to continue being complacent or you're going to take a step backwards. And if you take a step backwards, you're going to wish that you would have took that step earlier. That makes complete sense, man. And like, like you said, it, it, one step starts and, and can lead to so much more. And, and where did it lead for you? Like, obviously, you're not 799 pounds now. We're 20 years, you know, almost 20 years later. So there's obviously a lot in between. But from there... What was it like as you started to kind of take your life back? It's been amazing. It's been such a ride. I, I'll tell you, bro, it, it is a whole new way of living. Uh, it, I, it was so hard because I lost, uh, just we'll start from here. I lost like 200 pounds in one year and then another 200 pounds a second year. And then over a span of eight years, I lost the remainder of my weight. So about 600 pounds roughly I lost in an eight-year period. Now, through that process, I had to re—I had to learn how to do everything over again. I've explored avenues of health and wellness. I, I tried every new approach to eating and exercise, and and it was—I mean, I have so much experience now. I mean, it's just—it's crazy. Like I, I can tell you, I could write a book on diet approaches. I mean, <laughs> it's so crazy. But it, it really opened up doors. My weight loss journey opened up so many doors to to help other people, and that's where I'm at today. Is I, I put my story out. Out there just like you're putting people's stories out here to share with others to encourage them inspire them and to help them overcome their weight loss or or their weight issues and, and their health issues and maybe just life and general issues so i mean i have avenues where god opened up the doors for me to go on platforms like like inside edition and uh the today show and the doctors and 700 club and and other avenues of of, of media from international to nationally and and it was such a good opportunity just to share, you know, my story and to just bring people hope, bring people the opportunity to hear that there's somebody who weighed this much weight, but they they overcame it, they could do it, and so can you. And it was a simple strategy of one step at a time. And I always preached that everywhere I went. It was one step, it was one step, it was one step. And it, I got thousands and thousands of messages over Facebook and over, uh, I didn't have Instagram back then, but um, Facebook especially when I was on the TV shows, like they were people just zooming right in saying, hey, Justin, I'm so thankful. And then, then doors opened up to new, you know, avenues like, it's not in print anymore, but Teen People Magazine back in the day did a piece on me and, and uh, I got some things from there and, and it's just incredible, just incredible opportunities to share. And I don't say that to boast, like, look what I did. I just say, you know what, if you share your story and impact somebody's life, you're going to have opportunities to share it and never waste that moment, never waste that moment. So I had moments where I wrote books. I mean, I wrote three books thus far, or four books actually. And my latest one's called Made in His Image, and that was one based on body image and, and overcoming the lies people believe about their body image and how they stay captive to the thought process behind the negative thoughts that we have towards our body. And then uh, I, I public speak. I'm a public speaker, and, and I, I encourage other people and motivate them as motivational speaker. And 
man, I, I have a podcast myself. I, uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a coach. <laughs> I, I, I basically took everything um, from my story, the things that, that I learned, the things that I've lived through, the things that I've, I've overcome myself, um, and I've used them. I've, I've used them to catapult myself into a direction to help others be set free and, and to have a new life as well. Which is incredible, incredibly powerful of you to, to make that choice because obviously there's there's something directional about that. Like it's it's not it's intentional. You know that willingness to be to share your story and share your experience and also help guide others. Like there's something very intentional there. Like what what I'm curious about is because you know we mentioned my 600 pound life before. You know you you lost someone that could appear on that show. You know basically like. That kind of transformation, like, what was it like for you to, to learn? And I hope this question makes sense, but, you know, one of the things that I really relate to, you know, in, in the journey that I've been on is that for a long time, like, because my life was just about eating and not moving and kind of being stuck in place and food was the only thing that mattered, like, I feel like as... I grew and changed, you know, and lost weight and, and found my, found the reason to live and all of those things. It was also about learning how to be a person in the world again, like to learn who I was. What was it like for you on that journey to learn about yourself? Like really to define yourself as more than someone that, you know, is just ruled by food addiction. Man, I, I had a hard time getting back in a normal routine. I, um, I still saw myself even after losing a couple hundred pounds or well, I would say more than that. When I lost even 500 and 600, I, I still saw myself as I'm Mr. Overweight, obese, and, and I'm going to, if I can't sit on my neighbor or on my friend's beds, I can't sit on chairs. I can't, uh, I'm going to waddle my whole life. I, I, you know, I had to become a normal functioning member of society again and actually be able to go to stores and not have to think about people staring at me. Now, I'll give you this one, though. Uh, I still have and had, had more, excess skin from losing so much fat. And that's kind of still something I will... And that's why I wrote the book Made in His Image because it was my heart towards body image and myself. And um, it, my my calves have have excess skin on them, and, and 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 so I wear shorts. People will look at that, and there's something I just can't help unless you get surgery completed, right? You know, and and I had some skin reductions completed. Absolutely, they were such a it was a miraculous thing because they were all donated. I don't think I spent much money at all. Uh, maybe a couple hundred of my own money in it. But thousands and thousands of dollars donated and doctors giving doing it for free. I mean, it was such a blessing in my life that I was able to get all those. But I still have some excess skin on my body because I lost a lot of weight. And and so that's that's hard to that's probably the, the hardest part for me right now, even uh, 20 years later to to fathom and to accept of myself. But every day I had to remind myself that I don't, I'm not who I was. These are my battle scars. Uh, I mean, yeah, I've had kids look at my legs. I used to work for a summer camp at the YMCA and 
I used to wear shorts at those, and and kids would look at my legs and say, "Why do you looks like you have brains on your legs? You have brains on your legs." And so I'm like, "Oh, it's already a sore spot for me. Please don't talk." And, and bringing attention to the other kids and the other the other uh, supervisors at that point too, the ones overseeing the kids, the counselors. I was like, "Oh man," and I just kind of laughed it off, like whatever, like, "Oh, ha ha ha, yep, I'm an alien," you know, <laughs> just trying to and and just trying to have fun with it, but um, it, it is something that's difficult, but yeah, becoming normal again was, was not easy, and uh, it was, it was something that I just had to slowly progress back into, um, you know, and I had to tell myself, you know, I'm, I can be in pictures again, it's okay, and even if you're not where you want to be, you can still be in a picture, because you can be confident and rock who you are, there's things you can't change about your body, you can't change uh, the excess skin that you have unless you get it taken care of. You can't change if you have a, a growth on your arm unless you get it taken care of. You can't change if you're missing an arm or missing a leg, a limb, or anything. But you can rock who you are in confidence as best as you can. And so, you know, there's, there's, I hope those who are listening today, like, yeah, man, you, you might have some teeth that need fixed. You might have some, you know, your eyebrows may have been, your eyebrows may have been shaved off. That you, <laughs> maybe you got a bad haircut today or whatever. Like, there's certain things you just can't change right now. Some things can grow back. Some things can help. But you're not going to change everything. So become confident in who you are. Like, rock who God made you to be and rock what genetics gave you because you can't help any of that and just be confident accept yourself for who you are change what you can change but just just rock it man just rock that's where i'm at today that's what i'm trying to get that in perspective for myself too it's like i'm gonna go to the gym and no i'm not gonna run five miles like those other guys i'm not gonna lift you know 300 pounds on the bench press i'm gonna go do my exercise and i'm only gonna challenge one guy and that's the guy i see in the mirror I'm only going to get better uh, with him. You know, that's it. I'm not not here to compete. I'm here to compete with him, nobody else. And so, yeah, that's 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 where I had to. That's where I had, and learn how to eat again is another thing. I had to learn yeah. how to eat. That was um, even losing fat, losing weight. I still struggled with portion control. I still struggled with. Uh, I mean, dude, the fat-free craze that was in the world for a little bit of time. Uh, you can get fat-free ice cream. <laughs> so I went and got those fat-free ice cream, like a half gallon. I would eat the whole thing in one sitting just because it's fat-free, but not realizing that there's tons of sugar in that bad boy, and I shouldn't have uh, <laughs> I shouldn't have done that to my body. But yeah, Snackwell cookies, Double Food Cake cookies or whatever, they were, they were fat-free too, and I would go eat those and anything fat-free, eat, eat, eat. But then, and even buffets, like okay, there was a, the low-carb craze for a long time. All right, everything's protein. I'm going to eat the protein. Give me the, the Chinese buffets and all that stuff. I'm going to go eat all the the steak, sal- steak salad and, and vegetables and this, and I gorged myself, but felt sick after. Um, the whole wheat craze, the whole grain craze, like just eating tons and tons of spaghetti. And now I would still lose fat and lose weight and all that, but as a slower process, progress because I was overeating. So I had to learn how to re adapt to that. I had to learn how to eat healthy and, and portion control and uh, kind of lay off those sweets and savories and, and just eat natural and healthy as much as I could. So that was a that was not easy. Yeah. And there's something in there that you said that I think is really important that there is a difference in the end about losing difference between losing weight and working on a relationship with food. Because you can lose weight and do nothing with your relationship with food. Like that's a hundred percent possible. Like I I'm living proof of that. You know, in the 2013, 
I had lost over 300 pounds and I put it all right back on because I did zero to work on that mental relationship, you know, with food or just even working on what, where was it coming from and what was driving me and all of those pieces. Like, where is your relationship with food at today? Oh, it's at a really healthy place today. I don't, I don't follow any type of fads. Uh, I was doing keto for a long time, and I, I did love it for a season, but it came so restrictive, and I missed fruit. I missed, uh, not that you couldn't have any fruit on keto, but I just wanted to be able to eat sandwiches without having to worry about anything anymore. I wanted to be able to sit down with my family and have a plate of, uh, of normal food. Um, so I, I do eat clean. I'm going to give you that. I will eat, uh, you know, I, I eat decent and whole grains i don't like them all the time but i'll do like brown rice quinoa uh oatmeal things like that i will do sometimes a sandwich with with multi-grain bread but i truly just love eating clean as in like i'll eat eggs i'll eat cheese i'll eat meat i'll eat fish uh nuts i mean pretty much vegetables fruits anything hummus guacamole uh i'll have a you know, I'll have a margarita once in a while on Mexican nights or a glass of wine periodically. I don't overindulge, um, but I do enjoy myself with my wife and, and my family. And um, there's nothing wrong with that. And treats are treats. That's the thing now. They're, they're not, you know, the pizzas that we get. I don't, a lot of times when my son wants pizza, I'm going to, I mean, he gets a little Caesar's pizza. He's 14, so active in basketball. He's, he's, he's ridiculously strong. I mean, he, he can, you know, burn that off in no time. And, and of course he gets a salad. He eats the salad first, of course, wink, wink. And uh, <laughs> he doesn't even touch that thing. He doesn't want it. But anyway, um, it, it's, you know, I, Usually, maybe just have like a half of a bite of one. I was like, or half of a piece of pizza from Caesars or something, and and I'll make myself a, a healthier version of pizza. Like that's where I'm at today. Like, give me a little bit. Of, he has French fries or something. I'm gonna have maybe five or six of those and, and call it a day. You know, um, I'm just at a different place. Treats or treats, and my wife likes sweets. I like savory, so uh, she can have sweets in front of me. I'm not really tempted. Uh, for my birthday this past year, I had a cinnamon roll for my birthday because I just didn't want cake this time. And she bought a bit. She bought these big cinnamon buns that were nice and warm and just amazing. And I had a whole one. They were huge. I felt like I was on a sugar high afterwards, but I was good after that. I was done, man. That that was it. Like I allow myself to have some splurges. I allow myself to have some moments, but. Never, ever, ever do I allow myself to stay there anymore because I know what comes from that. So the relationship with food, I own the relationship now. It doesn't own me. I like that. That's a great way to put it. There, you know, it comes back to that idea of bringing attention into what you're doing and understanding. And, and so that's awesome to hear, man. And you talk about, you know, coaching and helping people now, like, and I, I think a lot of what you said is, is clearly messages I'm sure that you use, you know, in terms of like kind of core concepts and things along those lines. But I'm curious, what is, what is it like for you personally to be able to help other people? Oh, it's so amazing and rewarding. I mean, I, I see myself in so many people. Now, you can't help everybody. That's the other thing, too. I, I can't. There's no way. Uh, people come to me, Justin, how do I lose weight? Justin, how do I get this? Just, and I can say all day long what I've done. I have a strategy that I put together. I have individualized strategies. I have all-around strategies. I mean, like I said, I, I have 20 years of experience that I help people with. And I tell them this is what I did. This is what I do. 
and I say all that stuff, but at the end of the day, man, people have to want it. They have to want that change and transformation. They got to be at a low point to say, I'm ready to change, or they're not going to do it. So I will coach only a few people. Um, I, I don't accept everybody, and that's just the way it is. I want people who are dedicated, devoted. I can tell you with the first hour of our conversation who's going to be devoted who isn't. Everybody starts out, I'm going to do this. It's going to be great. Are you devoted? Yeah, I, I got this. I can just tell. I can tell when somebody's serious and when they're not. Like the wording people use, the the uh, responses that they give, you know, their their tone of voice, all that stuff really plays a factor, plays an influence in knowing if they're going to do well or not. Now, I might disqualify somebody prematurely because I might read them wrong, and that's that's whatever. But I I can you know you can really tell if somebody's serious or not most of the time. But anyway, you can't help everybody. You could set the example. You can show them the way, but ultimately, at the end of the day, it's their decision to follow what works and what doesn't work. No, 100% agree with that, man. And you also mentioned you 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 have a podcast of your own now. Yes, yes. Tell it's, us a it's about, about that. four or five months strong now, man. It's a 600 pounds down podcast. It's a, I, I kind of do some really really similar things you're doing actually interviewing people and i just had a guy on there about <clears throat> a month ago or so maybe two months ago now larry myers from my 600 pound mm -hmm. life he oh, was yeah. on there that was so fun that was that a good one. one yeah he was he was a fun guest um but i have people who overcome issues uh i'm not just a, a weight loss i'm not just a weight loss podcast even though that's my that's my niche but i'm also about triumphal stories right i'm about mental transformation spiritual transformation and physical transformation i have people on there i have moms on there like how do you how do you become a healthy person being a full-time mom a full-time job and a what and you know like this and, and even fellas who are who are doing um uh ultra marathons and and i just have a variety of people on there i have I had a pastor on there talking about their spiritual journey. I had uh, somebody on there who overcame two people, actually. One person overcame cancer. The other person's going through a bout of cancer. Like, these are all real-life stories of people overcoming different things in their lives. And, and so we're about transformation there. So you're going to hear some great stories. I also do some single ones as well and equip people with uh, health and wellness about things I've learned and developed over the time. And, and so it's kind of all around. So if you just want something that's going to... Uh, give you a good story of triumph of the human spirit or if you want something that's going to educate you and equip you to be healthier that's the podcast for you 600 pounds down it's available on apple podcasts spotify and also amazon music and i'm going to put links to everything for justin in the show notes of the episode today let, let let's do that i've got i've got another question for you man but if people do want to reach out and talk to you man or just follow along with what you're doing where do they find you Yep, I'm available on socials. You can, first off, my website, it's justinwillaby.com. That's the easiest place to see what I do, where I'm at. I don't usually update that 100%, so I feel kind of kind of silly giving that out, but that is my that's my place where I do uh, you know, check mail and all that stuff. My contact information's on there. But if you are on socials, if you are on Instagram, it's insta with justin. Uh, so that's my so my uh, Instagram tag. If you are on Facebook, it's strictly uh, facebook.com backslash Justin Willoughby. I was lucky enough to get my name as my tag there, so that was pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, those are two avenues to find me. Um, you, know, you can see the rest of it on my website, justinwillaby.com, so they can talk to me on there. I'm very active on socials, uh, and, and so if people want to write to me or, or comment or just say, hey, totally open to that, totally want to talk to them, just need a hand, you know, hey, how do I start doing this? 
man, I'll, I'll, I'll give you some information to really help you, you know, succeed. So here I am. Nice. And like I said, all that's going to be in the show notes today. So if you're looking to connect with Justin, open up the podcast you're listening to right now and click a link. That's all you got to do. Justin, I, before we get into, I have some wrap up questions that I do every episode, but before we get to that, I do have one more question for you because, you know, often on the show, I'm talking to people that are either in the middle of a journey, just finished, you know, in terms of their weight loss progress or, you know, are a year or two out, like we're, we, we, we're talking 20 years of your life. You know, it was 20 years ago that you saw 799 pounds, like looking at the past 20 years, what are the biggest lessons that you have learned on this journey that you've come through? Nothing's impossible, man. That's that's one of the biggest lessons I've learned is nothing's impossible. We, we limit ourselves. We limit... I still do it today. And there's new things. Like, I, I moved from Pennsylvania to Texas, and culture is a little different here. And, and um, it, it's amazing how you can self-defeat yourself. Like, this, like, the roads here are extremely busy. The highways are extremely busy. And part of me sits here, I'm like... Oh, how do, you, how do people drive this? You know, because I'm from like a small town and I'm like, it's insane. But it's not impossible. You, you put your mind to it. You you pray. You ask God for help. You you give yourself that determination needed, but you just do it. That's what you do. You just, nothing's impossible. You you learn, you adapt, you overcome, you just make it happen and, and you just aim for it. You make it work. So I, I do find that, that nothing, I would say that one of the biggest things I've known that I've developed over time here to learn that nothing is impossible. Don't limit yourself. And we're our only limit limitation. I believe that 100%. I mean, you adapt to life. You adapt to life. If I'm overweight and I'm struggling with my health and I can make every excuse up as to why I can't lose that weight. Oh, I just can't exercise anymore. Oh, I just can't. You can. I just can't exercise like that guy down the road or that guy over there. But I can exercise in one way or another. If that takes one step at a time, if that's a walk, if that's a run, if that's a jog, if that's a swim, if that's a weightlifting, I don't care what it is. You limit yourself. So there really are no limitations. You're your only limitation. And if I think discouragement is another thing I've learned. You can over discouragement is something you can overcome. Uh, you can discourage yourself all day long because you're not in a place where you want to be. But if you can picture yourself at the end of the journey, you can picture yourself reaching your goals, then that discouragement becomes less and less, and encouragement actually takes place of that because you start hitting those small goals along the way to hit that big goal. That's what I usually do is I, I have a big goal in mind, and I make small goals to get to that big goal. Do I, do I always hit those big goals? Absolutely not. Whose fault is that, though? It's, it's my fault because I need to redirect that goal but I need and I need to make it happen so yeah nothing's impossible and it's a and discouragement can be overcome with encouragement I like it man I think that's great Justin I end every episode with five questions I call the fat guy five are you ready for your run through those questions bring them on just like who wants to be a millionaire because am I going to win money it, it, there's no money involved but it is a, little, oh. a bit rapid fire it's a bit rapid All right, fire I'll try it okay. I'll try it so question number one, living or dead, Justin, who is your favorite fat guy? Oh, uh, my favorite fat guy is, oh, crap, Yokozuna. Man, Yokozuna. He was a, a WWE wrestler, oh, yeah. and he sat on people and won matches. He was my favorite. I, but the little, the, the middle, you know, the grammar school squasher and you relates to Yokozuna's finishing move. So <laughs> I like it. I like it, man. Question number two, Justin, tell us something about yourself that you love. Uh, I love Jesus, bro. 
I love Jesus. He shines in me, and, and he's he's changed my life. So that's the one thing I do love. I don't love myself too much mm-hmm. because I'm a bad, I'm not a good man on my own, but I'm a different man through him. Love that, man. Question number three. Tell us, what is the most important new habit that you built on your health journey? Exercise, moving, walking, all the things I can do to move. Because I hated being sedentary, and I hated myself from that. I, I didn't want to do that anymore. So now that I'm able to move, I make that discipline to have a daily exercise session. That's a good one. Question number four. I didn't sound that enthusiastic about it, but it is a good one. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> Question number four, man. What is one goal you have for the next year that is not health, fitness, or weight loss related? Uh, to find a really good job. To find a really good job. That's number one, I think. To provide my family living in Texas is a little more pricey living in PA. So I want to find something that's going to take care of my family and bless other people. Nice. And the last question of this of the podcast. If you could go back and talk to Justin... You know, when you, day one, 799 pounds in the hospital, what is one thing that you would say to yourself? Get up and move, bro. Get up and move. You can do this. Uh, I, I had a janitor come in. I know this is going to be, I don't mean to take too much time oh, on okay. this one, but I had a janitor come into my room every night when I was in the hospital, and, and he would sweep the floor, and uh, he looked at me and said, you're going to be okay, buddy. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. Like every night, like clockwork, he would come in. You're going to make it. There you are, buddy. You're going to make it. And that encouraged me every single day I was in the hospital. Every single night I heard him come in. You're going to make it. And I, I would go back and I would be that janitor myself. I would, I would come in more frequently and encourage myself. So that's what I would say. Get up and do something about this. You can do this. You're loved. You're valued. You matter. Now get up and do something about this because you have a great life ahead of you, man. I love it, man. I think that's not just a great message for for you back then, but for every person listening who's feeling like they're stuck. That that's that's a great place for us to to wrap up the main interview, man. That's perfect. So, Justin, a big thank you for coming on and sharing your story today. I, I truly do appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. And a big fat thank you to you, Mike. <laughs> I like it. I like it, man. And everyone out there listening, my talk with Justin isn't ending. We're gonna end this and then go jump on over to the patreon after show i don't know why my words aren't working right now but so if you are signed up for the patreon don't forget you get access to all of those after show episodes justin's episode 24 so right now there are 24 continued stories that you are missing out on if you're not a part of that so check it out then connect with justin all of his info is going to be in the show notes if you want to connect with me you can also find me on instagram at gourmet goes keto on twitter at the same handle you can email the show at the fat guy form at gmail.com You can see everything that I'm doing when it comes to coaching and writing on theketoroad.com. And then, my friends, remember, go out there, do something today to amaze yourself because you're the most amazing people I know, and then catch us here on the next episode of the Fat Guy Forum.